Join me, Professor RPG, as I sit down with friends, colleagues, and special guests as we reminisce and discuss role-playing games that left their mark on us. Expect to see all sorts, from western style to Japanese and even tabletop. So stay a while and listen, and let us trigger those memories of tales long since completed. Relive that fantasy you hold dear, and come along with us, adventurer, on this quest into the past. Welcome to the RPG University. For the last time, report. We just fixed those base seals. If you idiots blew them, I'll have your skins. Everything's under control. Just a simple weapons malfunction. How are you? <laughs> what is this? Get cameras on the bay. We'll figure it out. Stows? This ship is property of Talonwick. Now you're property too. Just like the rest. And I don't let property mess with my payday. Who's the rest? And where did you salvage this thing? <laughs> I don't answer to livestock. They've got my contact here somewhere. And more sounds like. Sam, do you have us? Not precisely, Pathfinder. Debris and radiation are still disrupting the scans. So, where to? Find Verand and fast. This way? Oh, oh nope, not this way. Whoop, start, start there, let's go. Class is in session, and today we are at the conclusion of Mace Effect and are going to a galaxy far, far away. As always, I'm your host, Scott White, also known as Professor RPG, and this week I have the pleasure of welcoming back to the university to talk some Mass Effect Andromeda, Josh, Shil- Josh Silverman excuse me, from Bear Punch <laughs> Media and host of the Mass Effect podcast, Massively Affected. Welcome back, Josh. How's it going, bud? One, I'm happy to be back. Two, I really love the name Mace Effect. Three, damn man. <laughs> I botched the line read at the beginning of the show. <laughs> you botched my name. We're off to, We're off to the races. We do it live. Well, we're not really live, but it's still in, in principle. It's what makes RPGU I, special. I appreciate that's what I love about podcasting is it's just the ability to be like, you know what? We're just going to have fun and talk and, you know. Things happen. Pretty much, pretty much. But yes, we are here to talk about the conclusion, well, the current conclusion to the Mass Effect series. Uh, Initially released back on March 21st, 2007 here in North America and on March 23rd, 2007. I said 2007, didn't I? I think I did. Yeah. (laughs) This part I'll edit out. Well, we are here to talk about the conclusion, or at least the current conclusion, to the Mass Effect series, released all the way back in March of 2017. In North America, it released on March 21st of that year, and two days later in the PAL regions on March 23rd. To get your mind back in the idea of what you might have also been playing, or kind of send you back to 2017, here's some other games you might have been playing. Zelda Breath of the Wild released, along with Resident Evil 7 Biohazard, Cuphead, Destiny 2, Super Mario Odyssey, Nier Automata, Neo, the first Neo, South Park, the Fractured But Whole, Mario and Rabbids, Kingdom Battle, Fire Emblem, Echoes, Shadow of Valentia, and Set Scott on Fire, the video game, Divinity 2, Original Sin. <laughs> this, 2017 was a packed was a year. Like, I, it was stacked. Like, I can't, I'm like looking at this and I'm just like, wow, I played a surprising amount of like 
the major titles for that year, and a surprising amount of them were big games. Yeah, it was the years the Switch came out and mm-hmm. started printing money for Nintendo, and Resident <laughs> Evil blew the doors off of people's cons- or, uh, preconceived notions of the series, switching to the first person and everything with Ethan. Mm-hmm. Um, back when he still had, well, he, his first serious hand trauma. Um, <laughs> but yeah, stacked year. I, yeah, I'm just like, I love that we had a, a Resident Evil game and a Mass Effect game release, and then, you know, four years uh, later, we had a Resident Evil sequel and a Mass Effect remaster released. Yeah. I know, right? And we had so does, and Nier yeah. as well. We had Nier Replicant this year. Mm-hmm. True, true, so, true. Crazy, craziness. But yes, 2017, stacked year, but we are here to talk about a different game, Mass Effect Andromeda. So we, we know as... You host your own Mass, uh, Mass Effect podcast, and you've been on talking. I had you on for some Dragon Age stuff. You're you're a Bioware fan through and through. So I'm I'm guessing that when Mass Effect Andromeda came out, you were you were kind of on board from the get go, right? Yeah, just 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 mildly <laughs> so. You know, I didn't like immediately change all the backgrounds on my desktop to Andromeda related <laughs> stuff, and I didn't like immediately. Uh, become absolutely obsessively engrossed in everything. Yeah. No, not at all. More of a passing interest, you would say, is, is the gist I'm getting. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, I mean, all seriousness, I don't know if... I cannot remember if I talked about it in the Dragon Age episode or any other episodes I've been on this, but Mass Effect is a large part of the reason why my career exists and a lot of what people know me for. So, yeah, no, Andromeda, I was very psyched for. And, uh yeah. Very, very on board. Yeah. I I was as well. I was super excited. I mean, this was one of the... I mean, it was Bioware's... I guess... It was Bioware's first, like, dedicated, at that time, like, new generation game. Dragon Age Inquisition, of course, had come out before, but it was on both the previous gen and the, the newer gens. So this was their first taste. What can Bioware do on a brand new generation of hardware? Like, built from the ground up. What can they do? It's going to be crazy. And what we got was, uh, it, it stumbled out of the gate, we'll say. Um, yeah, it, it stumbled. It didn't have the support, you know, from uh, from publishing and th- that it needed. And the game had its issues, and it was certainly controversial, <laughs> to say the least. Yes. Um, yeah, so kind of, like, what was your take uh, back when this first came out? Like, what was... Were you kind of like, oh, ooh, this is kind of rough. I kind of want to hold off for some patches to hopefully fix things. Or like, what was your take with everything that was going on back when this came out? If I remember right, I beat the game in like three or four days. Uh, no, I just for background information on me for listeners, I am not one of those people who is uh, bothered by glitchy games. I played hundreds upon hundreds of hours of Bethesda games, of Elder Scrolls games. Glitches and weird stuff, is it never really bothered me. Yeah, it was lesser common in Bioware titles, but I'm I, I'm not really bothered by a lot of that stuff, and I tend to overlook it. Um, I, I loved Andromeda from the get-go, pretty much from the moment I started. I Well, it's actually really interesting. The game offered a... I'm so weird. I find this so fascinating they did this. EA did a 10-hour head start. Mm-hmm prior to the game actually releasing, where you could play 
you could play multiplayer because again people forget that this game had multiplayer because it just didn't live up to the the glory of mass effect 3's multiplayer uh but it had multiplayer and it had single player and you could play up to 10 hours of either one i chose to play 10 hours of multiplayer or i don't know if i actually mm-hmm. hit the full 10 hours but i played a bunch i didn't want to play 10 hours of the single player campaign and then just hit the wall I still find this so funny that they allowed this because it was in those 10 hours that most people found all their issues mm-hmm. with the game. Um, but yeah, no, I, I fell for the game hard. Uh, it reminded me what I've talked about for years about this. The experience of Andromeda reminded me of what I loved about Mass Effect 1. Going from Mass Effect 1 to Mass Effect 2 originally bummed me out because they changed so much of the game mm-hmm. and... While looking back now, Mass Effect 1 really was inferior in gameplay compared to 2 and 3. At the time, going from the the wide exploration, this brand new universe, all this stuff of Mass Effect 1 to, you know, yeah, it's a, it's an Ocean's 12 suicide mission kind of thing for Mass Effect 2, it, it didn't fit for me. Everyone talked about Mass Effect 2 being you know, the greatest game of the generation, the best game of the series, and I was like, yeah, I kind of like it. I, I loved Mass Effect 1. Andromeda for me was that same sense of exploration and being dropped into this brand new, literally into this brand new galaxy. Mm-hmm. And I submerged myself in it. It, And I'll be the first to say, I love this game. It's got problems. Mm-hmm. We could talk more about that after I finish this rant, you know. But like the game has problems. We'll not deny that at all. But just being in this new galaxy and just getting to just take it all in and just be, be set loose, you know, be able yeah. to drive around these planets was like, Oh my God, I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm loving this. So it, it was a, it was a breath of fresh air for me. Yeah. I, I picked it up as well and I put in a good number of hours the first few days and everything. And I was digging one of the big things that really stuck out with me is I love the combat. I think they really nailed a lot of the combat aspects in this game. Love it. Um, <coughs> excuse me. It's very, very good. Um, even today, I it's, still well, it's like an it. expansion of. I was sorry. I was going to say it's an expansion of Mass Effect 3's combat. Mm-hmm. Essentially, they just took Mass Effect 3 combat and they just upped the ante on it, and it felt really nice. Yeah, I agree. Um, it definitely. This was well into EA's ownership of Bioware, so many features, especially multiplayer. This very much felt like an EA game, especially. Um, coming off the heels of Dragon Age Inquisition, which I really liked as well, but I almost found almost too open-worldy, like too open-ended um, in terms of exploration. It kind of just got daunting at some point, and I felt like a lot of that, while I did do like exploring and kind of checking out new places, or all the new planets in Andromeda, I, I felt like I was... I was overwhelmed for a lot of my time with it because I wanted to do story, Mm -hmm. but I also all these worlds and finding resources to upgrade things and craft things. It was, it was daunting to me. Um, And then on top of kind of the, the graphical and performance hiccups that it was suffering pre pat like pre all the patches and everything. Yeah. I mean, well, for starters, yeah, the patches certainly, uh, yeah, I, I didn't experience that much in the way of a lot of the graphical stuff. I think I got a lot of lucky, uh, lucky in a lot of that regard. There was, you know, lighting issues and stuff like that. But again, I just don't think my brain's wired to notice a lot of these <laughs> things for some reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's not just like being a Bioware fan before somebody says something. It's literally all games. My brain just, people will complain, God, I hated how this thing looked and it just, the framing made no sense. And I was like, oh, 
well now I see it, but like like my I just don't see it in the moment when I'm playing stuff. But mm-hmm. on the daunting aspect, I have the same issues with Andromeda that I have with Inquisition. I think Inquisition is an amazing Dragon Age game and a, an absolutely phenomenal experience. It is daunting to play, and it's why I've never been able to successfully replay more than like the first 15 to 20 hours of that game before I burn mm-hmm. out. Because collecting resources, going all over these massive maps, uh, is is exhausting. It is yeah. it's genuinely exhausting, particularly when you're like, I want to get to the next story mission, but this planet has some interesting stories in the case of Mass Effect. So Andromeda was that same thing. I loved exploring. I loved taking in new things. But there would be, you know, things where it's like go to this planet and discover, you know, and find a vault kind of thing mm-hmm. for Andromeda, and it's like seven hours later. Yeah, <laughs> I actually did the thing I was originally supposed to do because I couldn't stop my. It was essentially that whole thing with Mass Effect One, where you're in the Mako driving up from corner to corner mm-hmm. across the whole map, you know, essentially trying to find every mineral. Except there's full entire missions. Yeah. <laughs> at each one of these points, which are good, but it almost feels like the same problem again with Inquisition. It feels like MMO light. Yeah. And I, God, I, I enjoy it, but also it's 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 a bit much. Particularly, I'm looking now, I with the Legendary Edition, I just finished Mass Effect 1 Legendary Edition a couple days ago, and my playtime for that entire game, plat, getting platinum 100%ing that entire game was 33 hours. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm just like, Looking at Andromeda, and, and you know, I'm like, mm, I didn't platinum that game, and that's that took me probably three times that amount of time to just finish it. Yeah, and I think this very much was in an era where these the whole idea of this wide open worlds, even though like the collectathons, the resource gathering, the immersive giant open worlds, mm-hmm. this was very much the in thing. Whereas I think people from games like this, from Dragon Age Inquisition, Witcher, um, and and so forth, over the since this game released, it's kind of like okay, that's kind of overstated. It's welcome. We can kind of dial it back a bit, like smaller area, mm-hmm. but more fleshed out and more meaningful than oh, I can walk, run across like a continent and collect all these like roots or minerals or various things, and it's like it's it's too much. Um, it's too much. Yeah, I love the idea of being an explorer and everything, but the, also the problem with the way my brain's wired. I, you know, I think we talked about this during the Dragon Age stuff. I I like to know if I need if I like to know if my quest objective, like when I was playing Dragon Age, was always I like to know if my quest objective is to the right or the left when I come to a fork in the road, mm-hmm. because if it's to the right, I will want to make sure I go left. Yeah. So you give me this wide open map, and it's like. Well, I have to crisscross this back and fucking forth <laughs> from one end to the other over and over and over again from top to bottom, you know, left to right. Yeah. Because if I don't get everything, then my ADHD doesn't let me enjoy myself. You know? Yeah. So it's like too much space is literally too much space. Yeah. And I think since then we've had games that that do it better so it will be interesting to see how it's adopted uh in dragon age 4 and uh mass effect 5 uh, whatever that gets called um but like mm-hmm. kind of like what you mentioned this andromeda takes place in a brand new galaxy it takes place in the andromeda galaxy uh as in that's where it gets its name it's takes place 600 years in the future so all the characters you knew and love from the original games they're long dead and only mentioned in 
passing occasionally in, in some uh, uh, notes and, and, and whatnot. What was what did you think of uh, the story in Andromeda and the new cast? Overall, really enjoyed the story. I mean, like you mentioned, like the, it mentioned stuff like the so Andromeda starts, quote unquote, you know, when they leave the Milky Way just after the events of Mass Effect 2. So it's before the Reapers have actually attacked. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's a whole storyline actually in Andromeda about Ryder discovering why the initiative actually happened. And it relates strongly to the Reapers. There's a lot of mentions of Liara in it. And there, there's a lot of cool stuff in there uh, related to tying back to the original trilogy without directly, um, without directly like uh, name checking any choices, obviously, mm-hmm. you know, kind of thing. It, it does a really nice job of tying into uh, the Reaper menace and all these kind of things from everyone's perspective. Because obviously, it's six hundred years later, but it's also they have no they yeah. as Ryder, you you find out about the Reapers, but you don't know what happened. Our Earth could be literally destroyed from your perspective. The whole Milky Way could be enslaved, as far as you know. You just know there was something called the Reapers, and it made people <laughs> head to Andromeda. There's even like in, uh, Cerberus stuff you know, mm-hmm. as far uh, in there as well. But and shit, if I remember right, I think Zaid's kid is in the game as well. Uh, there's there's a lot of like little touches here and there. But as far as the story goes, I I love it. Um, I really like the idea. It's actually reminiscent to me. I mean, obviously, it's on a much larger scale, but it's reminiscent to me of of Hawk's story from Dragon Age 2, the whole idea of playing a, effectively a nobody mm-hmm. and growing them. Um, you have this person who they, you know, Ryder, whether you know, you're playing as a, a Scott or Sarah, whatever you name them kind of thing, you have your, your Ryder and... You know, they're deposited to this world. They lose their parent. They're now made the human pathfinder. And they are not trained for this. I mean, yeah, they're, you know, mm-hmm. a soldier slash a scientist kind of thing. But they're 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 not their dad. Their dad is, you know, was an N7 who helped start this program. Like, you are just, you're, you're just some, some guy, some, you know, yeah. woman thrown in, into circumstances and... Uh, you're not respected by people, and you have to grow and earn that respect or earn that fear, depending on kind of what route you go a little bit. And I think it's I think it's very well done, and I think the way you bond with the crew is great, and I think the crew is phenomenal. Um, uh, Vetra and uh, Drax are two of my damn favorite companion characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I ever I fought. Really, I did, we did ranking the Mass Effect panel once with Normandy FM guys, and like I fought really hard for their inclusion higher up because I really love those two characters. Um, we did a scene earlier uh, at the start of this, which was Liam's uh, loyalty mission. I think Liam's loyalty mission is the best loyalty mission in the entire series. It is so damn funny. It's you know spoofing mm-hmm. Star Wars and all these other things. It's sci-fi trope as a as as a loyalty mission, and it's so well written and so damn enjoyable. <laughs> and Liam also character Liam came across in the promotional material like he was gonna be Kaiden version two, mm-hmm. and I like Kaiden. But there's a you know the fan base has you either like you either like Kaiden in spite of some of his you know lukewarm personality, or mm-hmm. you hate Kaiden is you know. With some, you know, exclusions, obviously, Liam seemed like he was going to just be another generic human male character. And not the dude is was like the buddy character. He almost was like the Garrus character. 
in a lot of respects. But then the um, the side characters are great too. The only character uh, characters I never super vibed with was Jal and um, and PB mm-hmm. because. PB, I just, I don't know. just that, that was just a personal choice thing. And then Jaw, I think, was just because they just built up <laughs> him in the promotional peer- material as being, like, the second coming yeah. of Garrus Love kind of thing. And I know, there's a, I know there's a massive amount of fan base who loves him. I just felt nothing for the character at all throughout the whole game. And, it, and I think it was a case of overhyping myself mm-hmm. and then not... It, it not paying dividends. So that was, might be a my fault thing. I need to replay the game and see if I feel differently. Yeah. But, yeah. For me, I never was a fan of the whole Ryder thing. I, I just never okay. could get into to Ryder. It felt too, too trope. Not, I guess, kind of tropist, but it's like there were so many other people like better equipped <laughs> in terms of abilities and experience than basically daddy's uh twins to get it passed (laughs) over on it's just like i don't know this is like it it just didn't jive with me coming from shepherd who granted you built him up in your shepherd over a bunch of games but you had a reason like why he was being going to like selected to join the specters in the first game and like why he was kind of a badass and could do all these things and Mm -hmm. bring people together as opposed to the riders, it just feels like you're dead. You get you got lucky. You got born to this dad, and I just it was like okay, I'm I, I'm a I'm a I'm a good kid. So I just get in charge of this <laughs> mission that will determine the fate of humanity or a good portion of the current humanity in in this new galaxy. Um, but no, Liam's stuff was really cool. I like Nick's a lot as well. Like you said, Jal was definitely touted as like this is the hot new alien boy that's like Garrus, but not Garrus. Um, so I definitely get where you, I agree with you uh, where you were coming with that. So I liked Alec Ryder. So- I thought his whole thing was really cool in kind of diving more into his story, like how he develops Sam and how he's like going behind the council's back to kind of put this together. And then everything with his wife, I thought his story was a lot more interesting to follow. Um, the Alec Ryder stuff and diving into like the past of Alec and like everything with the wife. Amazing. I, 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 I've honestly kind of forgotten about it until you just mentioned the wife, but like all the stuff with mom Ryder and Alec Mm -hmm. were a A plus for me. I love that stuff. Yeah. Um so th- that I really really like. Plus, I mean, voiced by Clancy Brown, who's such such a fantastic voice actor, such a powerful commanding voice um that it really helped. Um and kind of speaking of Sam, we had this Deus Ex Machina robot AI thing. <laughs> um what was your take coming from the original trilogy where you picked a class and then you had like your own command trees? What was your thought on this new approach where you could swap between different profiles of all the different classes and you never had like that permanence or like that class choice? 
I get what they were doing. All right. Like I get what they were doing with that. And I thought that was a really unique idea kind of thing. And also kind of separating us from the shepherd story, mm-hmm. you know? So, so giving us this whole thing where you're not like, you're not, you know, you're not a specially trained person. You are trained, but you are a person who's learning as you go. And then, yeah, the whole Sam thing, opening up the ability that you can essentially hot swap different profiles. Um, I, I tempted to use that feature. Mm-hmm. And then the thing is, I like sniper rifles. In um, I like sniper rifles in Mass Effect. I'm really a huge fan. I like sniper rifles in general in games, but like I, I like the long distance thing. So, I, I made it. You know, essentially, for all intents and purposes, I made an infiltrator from Mass Effect with you know a couple of engineer related things, and if I remember, a couple of biotic abilities. Like I think I threw, if I vaguely remember, like something like Singularity or something on there, so that I could snipe. So I could like. You know, pull mm-hmm. things up, and then I could walk away and get a, you know a good distance on people. But once I found something I liked, I just didn't. I I just didn't even consider changing it because why why would I? Mm-hmm. the The game's combat was good, but no situation. At least I only played the game on normal, so maybe on a higher difficulty. But no situation on normal ever felt like it actually warranted a you know changing to something else mm-hmm. kind of thing. Everything made sense this way. Yeah. They made it seem far cooler when Alec was doing it, like, in the beginning of the game. Mm-hmm. Like, doing all sorts of, like, fighting all the aliens. It's like, Sam, set me to this profile. And then, like, he just, like, starts doing all sorts of crazy stuff and, like, hot swapping on the fly. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, that'll be so cool. And then, yeah, like you said, it's just like, okay, I can swap. I guess that's cool, but why would I? That was a lot of what it was for me. It was like the why would I kind of thing. Yeah, this is cool to experiment with. I like tinkering with it a little bit. But, like, I've leveled up, you know, a sniper rifle and all my sniper rifle abilities. And I can literally kill every single enemy from halfway across these maps. Mm -hmm. Uh, Which, more on why you shouldn't do that in our little (laughs) tip area. But, uh... But yeah, no, like I could do all these things and it's like, why would I change? And also one of the things I loved about Mass Effect, for me, choosing the class in the first, in the in the Mass Effect trilogy, choosing the class determined the kind of character I was going to play. It's like, it's like D&D, yeah. you know, you, you're choosing, you, you play this class with this race, ergo, this is how you're going to talk and this is how you can do stuff. It, it informs a lot about your character. So in Mass Effect... You know, I play an engineer, so this is how I'm going to, to the best of the game's ability to let me, this is how I'm going to talk and make decisions. Infiltrator is this kind of character, and that's how my brain compartmentalizes that. So I don't want to change classes on the fly. I don't want to be the pathfinder changing classes on the fly, because to me that actually also diminishes replayability of the game. Yeah. Kind of thing. 100%. Because why would I replay this, you know, 70-plus hour game uh, when I can literally play every class on this first playthrough and I only liked one of them mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of thing. I like that so. approach to MMOs where I don't have to start a brand new character to do it, kind of like what Final Fantasy yes. fourteen does, but I don't necessarily want that in like a game like Witcher or Mass Effect, things like that. Because like you said, it kind of restricts replayability when you can just swap between whenever you want and there's no necessarily repercussions for doing so and things like that. Like if you had to respec, I guess, I mean, at least like you're resetting everything. Um, but yeah, I like having to kind of pick to that path and role play as this kind of character. And 
it helps in your own mind kind of role play even though you're at least for me whenever i play like a single player rpg and stuff like i'll with a job like i'll come up with like a little back unofficial or un uh non-canon backstories like why am i an engineer of course. and things like that so yeah i mean there's nothing wrong with some head y stuff but yeah like you mentioned final fantasy 14 like i I had a run of Final Fantasy XIV a couple months ago where I played a bunch of it, and I was on the trial, so, you know, I just kept leveling different jobs because I only could level up to a certain point, but the difference was I was leveling up those jobs. I was starting at one, I was learning mm-hmm. the class, and I was leveling with, and if I remember right, correct me if I'm wrong, with the Andromeda thing, if you switched to a different profile, you had all your skill points. You were still that level. So mm-hmm. it was like... It was like why I don't like, and using MMOs again as an example, it's why in an MMO I don't like boosting to a higher level because suddenly I'm level 70 and I have all of these skills that I haven't taken the time to gradually learn how they work. And I find that personally, the, for me, very overwhelming. Oh, 100%. So, so I understand, obviously, the, that Mass Effect, I understand. I understand the basic fundamentals of Mass Effect. So it wasn't like hopping into an MMO and switching from like, you know, a tank paladin to a you know a healer priest or mm-hmm. something like that where it's just drastically different there's still the basic fundamentals but still you know hopping from a infiltrator heavy build you know sniper rifle heavy build suddenly into a pistols and biotics build there's a huge learning curve like wait what do i want to put points in exactly uh how do i exactly want to play this and i'd rather start from level one and learn as i go kind of thing so that, that yeah that that feature uh again i get what they were doing yeah. but i i would love to say i kind of hope they don't put that in the next mass effect but also i don't care mm-hmm. <laughs> at all if they put it in the next mass effect because i probably i'm just gonna ignore it like i did previously yeah um um no go ahead I was going to say, I have another topic for Mass Effect yeah, that I thought of earlier, of but uh, one, so w- one thing, what were your thoughts on, uh, how to put this, on the diversity of, uh, of, of people in the Andromeda galaxy? Because, you know, I, I mentioned before with Mass Effect 1, one of my favorite things was being dropped into this established universe. You're given a codex and it's like, you feel like you're almost at home immediately, you hop onto the Citadel, and there's Hanar, there's Elcor, there's Volus, there's, you know, you don't see as many of them right away, but you know, Quarian, the Turians, there's Krogan, there's so mm-hmm. many different aliens. And then as the game goes on, you're introduced to Drell and uh, more things and Reaperfy things. There's so much diversity of stuff. And then you go to Andromeda, and it's the Angara and the Ket. And the remnants essentially for all intents and purposes and that's and that that barely you know barely counts actually all three yeah. of these barely count honestly and suddenly like you're you're just given this and on top of that uh a massive amount of of this of the of the milky way species are not there either because you know the Corian arc hasn't made it yet so suddenly you you're dropped in you're barely given anything new and also bt dubs uh we're we're you're missing out on a bunch of people. So I, I love the exploring of this new galaxy, but also I feel like I just missed, like, I feel like there's so much missing and I constantly yeah. felt that playing Andromeda. It's like, cool. I have like 90, I don't know. I'm not exaggerating here, but I have 90 codex entries about these two different races. Yeah. 
And that's it. Like, where's I? And I know the we were only in a small portion mm-hmm. of the Andromeda Galaxy. I know that there's so much more. We were really, for all intents and purposes, in like just a handful of systems. But like, I just and the DLC was canceled because of fan, you know, entitlement and you know, and EA being scared to work on mm-hmm. it anymore and stuff like that. Like, obviously, there was more to be discussed there. But at the same time, it's like. I just felt like, I literally felt like a whole chunk of this game of, like, the Mass Effect formula was missing the whole time. Yeah, it's, I completely, you went, like, we went from this well-established, like you said, well-established trilogy that introduced so many interesting new species and races and twists and characters and, uh, exploring the dynamics of like the political structure of all these and how they're interacting mm-hmm. with them with all each other at like the Citadel and whatnot. And you go to an entire galaxy and you do, f- I, I did feel kind of shafted. It's like we're in an entire new galaxy and you really only have like two main races that mm-hmm. uh, for us to uh, kind of explore. And like with destiny coming out at uh, destiny Two coming out around this time, even the cat kind of gave me a, like a covenant vibe. Like they're just mm. these, they kind of looked, they, they felt generic to me. Like they felt like safe. Oh yeah. Sci-fi bad guy aliens to me, like in their designs and everything. None of them invoke kind of the same visceral, visceral reaction I had to the first time I saw the reapers or all the converted, uh, like I re- like replaying Mass Effect uh, one in the Legendary Edition. Still seeing like when you're on Eden Prime, seeing people on those spikes being transformed and turned into the um, husk, the husk, yeah, and then charging at you like these creepy space zombie robot kind of things. Like none of them, nothing like the cat and whatnot in Andromeda. None of them gave me that kind of. Okay, these are kind of cool. This is a cool idea vibe that I got in the earlier games. It's just like, yeah, okay, uh, generic kind of generic space bad guy aliens, you know? I mean, you nailed it. I, I, I really love the Archon as a villain character, but like, I think they did an overall really good job with that. But the rest of the cat as a whole, yeah, it's just feels like generic. I honestly feels like guy in a rubber suit in Star Trek mm-hmm. kind of characters, essentially. Which is, I, I feel like the Angara are that to a lesser extent. But I mean, there's reasons why both of those feel like guy in a rubber suit. Very similarity, spoiler kind of stuff. But still, you know, it, it there there was just. It really feels like I've read I've read some stuff here and there about why uh, things didn't happen in Andromeda that there were bigger plans and corners got cut and all these things. There's a lot of stories uh, you can read about why that why all this happened the way it did. But yeah, it's it for how long of a game Andromeda is. Andromeda always still feels like when I think about it, it feels like a zero point one game almost. Mm-hmm. Like like it's the prologue to a bigger story. Yeah, a bigger story that we may or may not be getting any more of now. Yeah, um, it was interesting. Like I liked a lot. I liked kind of the mystery they put forth with the Andromeda Initiative with the missing um, species ships. And everything. I loved mm-hmm. all kind of that story and trying to figure out and piece together what happened to all them. But at the I, at, at the crux of it, though, I just 
yeah, the Archon was kind of kind of well, it was pretty cool and things like that, but the enemies was just so lacking compared to what we had experienced and I think kind of believed we would be getting again in a next-gen Mass yep. Effect. Yep. No, I will agree. I, I will say, as far as quote-unquote enemies go, though, anything with, like, the Kadara pirate-related stuff, the outcasts mm-hmm. and things of that nature, those were great things. It was just stuff involving the cat was just like, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Neat. That's cool. Yeah. Kind of generic. Like, there was... There, there weren't any of those moments. I mean, even the collectors in Mass Effect 2 are kind of generic, honestly. Yeah. And I, I, I always felt like... Um, I, I, I always thought the collectors were a little bit of a letdown with, with some really rich backstory to them. But even that, still, there was rich backstory to them. Mm-hmm. The Ket really just feel like, we need an enemy. Let's make them also from beyond the stars. Yeah. Kind of thing. Uh, and, yeah, it, it, it's serviceable. Yeah. But that's it. It's serviceable. Yeah, and coming off of the previous trilogy, it's like so many people were expecting more than just serviceable. Um, exactly. But uh, one thing you touched on earlier was the multiplayer aspect. So once this game fi- finally released, did you spend much time in multiplayer? So I did a bunch of it, in, as I mentioned, in that 10-hour he- uh, pre-time. Um, I played a fair bit of it nowhere even remotely near as much as mass effect 3 i mean mass effect 3 mm-hmm. i probably have as much if not more play time in multiplayer than i do for the actual single player um andromeda did a bunch of it the big issue i had was it had a lot of network instability mm-hmm. so uh in those first couple of weeks you just be kicked for matches and stuff like that so um once i started actually playing andromeda i really like the single player i really barely touched the multiplayer and then once i was done with the game i just i just didn't have that desire yeah so much to play it i think i probably though dropped the good somewhere that six to ten hour range into it like it was fun it was the combat of andromeda a lot of the makeup of mass effect 3's multiplayer it just mm-hmm. i don't know it didn't have that longevity and also nobody i knew was playing it yeah so like everyone played Mass Effect 3 multiplayer. People who did barely gave a crap about Mass Effect seemed to be playing that multiplayer. Mm-hmm. Andromeda, you know, the people who got who got burned by, you know, the the, the issues with Andromeda in the beginning didn't want to hop into the multiplayer kind of thing and I feel like it just died out super quickly. Yeah, and I don't and I think part of what certainly didn't help its case was how microtransaction heavy it was. Mm-hmm. Um, with all the EA bucks, yeah, I'd forgotten about and that. Mm-hmm. unlocking things and EA bucks, kind of pay to win because that was very much uh, it was a far bigger uh, pay to win scheme, I guess, at that back in 2017 than I, I, today. I would say a um, bit more exploita- exploitive um, than today. When after, because I mean, since then we've had countries ban loot boxes and things like that, and at least some aspects have been restrained a bit, but this was... Well, I mean, yeah, 2017 was still at the height of all this stuff. Oh, exactly. Um, Plus, and like we went over in the beginning, this was... There were a lot of really good games that came out in 2017. Uh, So, kind of a lukewarm reception on Mass Effect and Drama as a whole from a lot of reviewers and kind of the issues people had with it they could easily go and play a Resident Evil 7. They could play Breath of the Wild. That was killing everything. We got a new Mario. I mean, 
there was tons of things for people to play. I mean, literally, just look at the timing of it. This game came out in North America March 21st, 2017. Correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't, like, the Switch just after that? Uh, like, or was it just, like, the Nintendo Switch? March 3rd. It was out for about okay. two weeks. Like, two and a half weeks. So, Breath of the Wild was out for two weeks at that point. Like, this was a fresh new thing the switch was a brand new thing and then this game came out which landed even with myself as someone who genuinely likes the game mm-hmm. a lot it still landed with a thud like this this situation was just not good you know so it's no surprise that yeah people didn't you know once the game started you know getting the, the reviews and stuff like that and the commentary and the jokes and the memes and Mm-hmm. Honestly, the over the overall entitledness about a lot of stuff that started coming out about it, and suddenly, of course, people aren't going to touch. <laughs> of course, people aren't going to touch and aren't going to touch the multiplayer. It's no surprise. Yeah. Um. Definitely. Uh. I yeah. I think I may have touched it a little. I, I think I maybe had booted it up once or twice. Like I don't remember really spending any time with this with Andromeda's multiplayer. I spent a lot more mm-hmm. time with. Like you said, Mass Effect 3's multiplayer. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah. I know that with Andromeda, I met they had an app mm-hmm. that helped you. I don't... God, I couldn't... What is it? You earned credits or boxes or some crap in the game. I know I would like... In, it was on a timer or something. I know I would use the app. Mm-hmm. And just to make sure that I was constantly earning Andromeda Initiative, whatever stuff. I know I did, I did that on my first playthrough. Um... I, I think I yeah that 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 sounds very familiar but yeah that that was the extent of it for me yeah um but yeah you could be the different races and they were kind of served as classes and had different abilities and uh, weapons associated with them um, mm-hmm. and you could level up and there was leveling and ranking and packs and there was an item store and you get certain rewards and there was different um, weapons and mods and boosters and all sorts of things you could do. Um, so it had some depth, I guess, to it, but, um, you would fight Ket, Outlaws, or Remnants, so it was kind of, okay, and like we talked about with Ket, there wasn't, there wasn't tons to be super excited about with the designs and and such, but, Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, like, they tied, uh, the classes to different rarities of things you could get, so... Like, there were ultra-rare classes, which mixed different races with different classes and stuff. So it was just strange. It was very mm-hmm. random pull-heavy. Um, mm-hmm. I'm just reading the, the wiki right now and reading about it. It's like, oh, yeah, I forgot they did all that. Um, yeah, I honestly spaced <laughs> a fair bit of that. <laughs> yeah. So, but, yeah. Interesting curious if anyone's playing it these days i was thinking that as well i'd wonder but you know i know right now you know 10 hours into mass effect 2 for my legendary playthrough i keep thinking myself you know what i only played mass effect andromeda that one time Mm -hmm. i think i'm gonna play through it again when i'm done with this and i keep thinking that now but we'll see where i'm at in like two weeks when i'm done with the legendary edition and we'll yeah and we'll see how you are 15 hours into that new playthrough it's like yeah, okay i guess <laughs> yeah we'll, we'll 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 see how it all works and how it all comes together yeah 
So I guess like when someone brings up and you like reminisce or think about Mass Effect and Andromeda, what is the like first and foremost thing that comes to mind when you think Andromeda? Like what is Mass Effect Andromeda for you? Uh, the first thing that comes to mind is just um, uh, kind of what I brought up at the top of this, uh, the immersion into a brand new galaxy kind of thing. The first thing I think about is just being put into uh, onto these worlds, you know, um, I didn't like I didn't like uh, Eos, but uh, Vold, the ice world. Mm-hmm. I just remember setting down on that world and just thinking this place is just a beautiful. And that's what I think about is I just think about that beautiful planet and just even though, yes, I complain about uh, how big it is in exploring. I still loved exploring and it just felt time consuming. Mm-hmm. It felt unnecessarily big. But that being said, I so the first thing is I feel that same sense of wonder thinking about it that I did the first time I landed on an uncharted world in Mass Effect 1, except instead of it being a variation of one of the same three things, mm-hmm. it, it it I remember just these fresh worlds. And that's the first thing that I really think about. Very cool. Very cool. And I guess, um, now I'm curious, with you being such a big Mass Effect fan, what do you want to see from Mass Effect 5? So from Mass from the next Mass Effect, I mean, I want to see something for just like as a side tangent, I want to see them do other things with Mass Effect other than just baking third-person shooters. I want to see dating sims. I've had a dream idea for like a diplomacy related game for the longest time, you mm-hmm. know. Uh those kind of things. I really want to see other stuff in this universe that's not necessarily the third-person shooter thing however for mass effect next mass effect 5 um i mean what i really want to see is what we've kind of gotten hints at so far uh you know that 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 little teaser thing that they inexplicably dropped because this game has got to be at least five years out you know it's seems like we're jumping far ahead to you know 600 plus years it seems like it's going to somehow and and you know andromeda is involved so you know with those kind of key things in it, I would like the next Mass Effect to take place, you know, hundreds of years later, um, to the point that really a lot of our choices as Shepard truly do not matter because, you know, it's so far ahead. Uh, maybe we pull from something like a Mass Effect galaxy akin to Dragon Age Keep for, you know, some major choices, but truly it doesn't matter. And I would like to see something that ties up some of the story of Andromeda, like Andromeda builds a bridge back to the Milky Way. And I would like the focus of the game to be primarily exploring the big mystery that we're left with at the end of Andromeda, which was the whole thing related to the remnants. There was there was some whole thing involving that that was Reaper-esque, but not quite Reaper. And I would like to explore that storyline, but with Milky Way meets Andromeda kind of stuff. Also, I... As much... I deeply want Mass Effect to return to what made the trilogy what made me start the trilogy originally was the idea that I was going to play as this character for 3 games. Mm-hmm. We knew from the get-go, from the first release that that was the plan. I would love that. But the simple fact of the matter is modern game making that is just not viable. Also, Andromeda more or less bombed. There's no way they can literally announce we're doing another trilogy or a duology or something like that with a planned mm-hmm. story and stuff like that. They can't they can't announce that shit again uh successfully. It'll 
aside from the fact that EA would never let them, nobody would believe it anymore. So I kind of want them to go the Dragon Age route with Mass Effect moving forward. I want to play a different creative character every single game moving forward. Um, companions maybe return in future games. You know, storylines mm-hmm. continue on kind of stuff. But I think from Mass Effect next moving forward, I think we need to jump you know, 600 to 1,000 years in the future, combine the storylines of Milky Way and Andromeda, and a uh, new character each game kind of thing. Nice. Nice. Yeah, that would be cool. I'd be down with that. Um, I'm just... Yeah, like you said, I I feel... And I've mentioned this on previous episodes of, of Mace Effect, was just... I feel like they announced... They announced Mass Effect Five way too early. I feel like, oh god, way, way like too early. stepping on Dragon Age 4's toes. I feel bad for that team mm-hmm. having to deal with it because now it will always be. Yes, a lot of people are excited for Dragon Age Four, but you know that right after it gets released and even leading up to it, it's like, okay, but how far off are we from the next Mass Effect, or when are we going to see Mass Effect? It's like they should have just given Dragon Age time, let it come out. It's like we haven't seen like actual gameplay of dragon age yet and to go and do this it almost felt like please keep us around long enough we we're doing this you see we have someone that might be liara you all love liara it felt like a very heavy-handed uh trailer um especially because we already knew they were going to start doing stuff with the mass effect trilogy or series again but um it literally felt like somebody in marketing, some person higher up, like had a panic attack mm-hmm. about some fiscal numbers or something like that and decided to shut out. You're right, because it literally cuts off Dragon Age at the knee. Mm-hmm. Dragon Age, a game that, as you mentioned, we have not seen gameplay. We know next to nothing about. We know that game is set in Tevinter. Mm-hmm. That is nearly all we know about the game pretty much at this point. There's handfuls of stuff here. I'm sure Liana Rupert somewhere is yelling about the stuff, you know, <laughs> that she that she knows about the game and other things that I'm forgetting here. But, like, you know, we, we know a handful of things at best about this game. Mm-hmm. And, and that's it. Uh, the assumption, and someone could correct me, is the Dragon Age 4 is literally at earliest coming out the end of 2022 from most of what I've heard, the more the expectation is 2023 yeah. at this point. Like, we are a ways off, which, by the way, love that we know nothing about this game because I've said before, Dragon Age Inquisition and Andromeda, they told us way too much about the games before they actually had that stuff in place to the point and that there are Anthem. so many features. Anthem, well, Anthem, oh my god. But, like, but, but Andromeda and uh, Inquisition, just think about games that actually really, you know, uh, came out and got recognition. Sorry, Anthem. Um, but, like, both of those games, I still remember, like, Game Informer cover stories about them that talked about all these things that, like, 40 to 50% never made it to the actual finished product. So I'm, I'm happy we're not getting everything up front. Like, I, I yeah. like that aspect, but at the same time, Dragon Age is minimum a year and a half away right now right now uh it's probably a good two and a half maybe even three years away the assumption is from most people mass effect five next what have you is five years away at a minimum it's like so what what's what the why point did we what what is literally the point because now it's every time dragon just talked about what should have been done is just using my marketing mm-hmm. you know Thing. What should have been done is Dragon Age should have been given a release date, a launch date that they were going to hit, um, and then 
literally the launch date's in place, and then the very next major event, E3, that's when Mass Effect is announced. Dragon Age is six is, is three to six months out, but here's the thing. Mass Effect will be following it up two years later, or three years later, hypothetically. Mm-hmm. Like, that still would have been too soon, but at least it would have been better, and it wouldn't have completely kicked the feet out from Dragon Age. Yeah. I, I agree. So, and I, yeah, I don't know. It's it's one of those things. It's like with as troubled development as it sounds like Dragon Age 4 is having. As is mm-hmm. having has had what have you. It's like BioWare needs Dragon Age to be like a killer. Like they need that game to be on the same level of hype of kind of prestige as, like, a Dragon Age Origins or Mass Effect 1 and 2 and, like, 3, like, the Mass Effect trilogy. They need that level to kind of make up for the horrific blunders that was Anthem and then Anthem 2.0, only then cancel Anthem 2.0 and all that. And then the rocky stuff with uh, Andromeda with kind of the the bugs and kind of the poor reception with a lot of that because of uh, what people experience. Like, they need... Bioware doesn't have the clout that they used to. Oh God, no! Not not it's not the Bioware of old. No. But no, I mean, as you said, Anthem landed with a thud. Uh, no, sorry, Andromeda landed with a thud. Anthem straight up bombed, yeah. and then got their re- their 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 revamp completely canceled. So yeah, they they've had they've had two games released in the last uh you know a little over four roughly four years now and somehow three failures out of two games yeah uh no matter no matter how you feel about these games just looking at critical and commercial like they as just repeating what you said dragon age needs to be that needs to be a nine out of ten minimum Mm -hmm. game but like nine out of ten minimum critical score commercial success hype level game Otherwise, we're not getting Mass Effect. <laughs> like, no, I think what like, it w- so why why announce yeah. it if 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 literally it's most likely gonna hinge on this game because yeah. if if it, if uh, if Dragon Age Four lands with any kind lev- any degree of a thud anything Dragon Age Two level mm-hmm. or, I love Dragon Age Two we know but like anything Dragon Age Two reception or worse then I'm sorry I don't believe Mass Effect is happening. I think it'll happen. I think they'll close down Bioware. And I think they'll have one of the other EA teams maybe respawn or something mm. take take over the mantle. I you know I that see that because Mass Effect is a very it for for all the love like <clears throat> how long were people begging for a remaster of the original trilogy and stuff? It's like Mass Effect is still a very popular and very financially uh, goldmine of a series and franchise for EA. So for sure, I see it much more likely if Dragon Age Four doesn't do gangbusters and is amazing, I could see EA just being like, "Sorry, Bioware, this is like three strikes you're up. We have other studios that are really good with things that we're going to take this off your plate, give this, and kind of slowly shutter you." I I honestly see that being the case. And no, I hope I mean, it, actually, that's a fair. And point. I hope it's not because I I want the old Bioware to come back. I want to be super excited about Bioware games and not hesitantly excited. Like I I know I'm going to get Dragon Age Four. I know I'm going to be excited for Dragon Age Four. But even still, leading up, it's like, okay, I'm excited for it, but like I don't want to overhype myself and then 
have an anthem situation. God, I hope it's not an anthem situation, but something well, like yeah, that. Yeah. Um, I just want to be like super stoked. Like when KOTOR came out or Jade Empire, the Baldur's Gates or Mass Effect <laughs> or Dragon Age Origins. I want that. I want to be able to have that amount of hype and kind of admittedly blind loyalty and trust in Bioware again. Yeah, no, I mean, I still get called a uh, Bioware fanboy from people every now and again, and I don't. I was never really a fanboy because I never really went with the whole "I this company could go do no wrong" thing. But I was a person that if Bioware's name was on it, I bought it. Mm-hmm. I own that Sonic the Hedgehog Dark Brotherhood game on on DS or whatever. Never played it, <laughs> but I own it and I bought it because it had Bioware's name on it. Like that was where I was at once upon a time. You know, like just like just Bioware stuff mm-hmm. made its way into my home. So I would like to get back to that point where yeah, I, I see Bioware's name and it's like I can trust that name to just buy it specifically because the name is attached to yeah. it um, kind of thing. If it even looks like it's remotely my type of game. Mm-hmm. Pretty much. Pretty much. We are not the only individuals out there in the galaxy that like Mass Effect Andromeda and have fond memories of it. So we are going around the web. First up, we have user S92Eric0405 from Reddit. They say, movie nights. I just love the whole crew watching movies together and Kalo acting with Ryder. Also, I like the crew, the crew respecting Ryder more and more as the story goes. The first crew meeting, mm. he didn't get a chance to... S- get a chance to say dismiss and the whole crew just walked away but the last mission everyone was listening to Ryder like he's finally become a good pathfinder it's kind of the thing i said earlier as well you know kind of that, that same thing mm-hmm. that, that was one of my favorite aspects of the game also movie nights a plus i actually have screenshots of my <laughs> on my desktop <laughs> that i took during the movie night thing excellent Excellent. Like that was a fun, like a fun little story, like like a little side story thing you got to do, like organizing a movie night. Like mm-hmm. that, that was great. It was very cool, very very cool. Uh, let's see here. So we have uh, user Sun Sun Soul from Reddit. Jaw the Angara, Jaw the Angara as a whole. Actually, to me, Jaw is a great character, as great as Garrus Tali Morden's level, and people don't give him the credit he deserves. And I love the Angara and their hug culture that represents my own country's hug culture. I don't see. I'm one of those people who uh, discredits Jal, and I'm actually and I. But reading these kind of comments and stuff like that, I'm just mm-hmm. like, cool. I actually really want to re-experience the character without my uh, uh, hype level bias kind of situation. Yeah, definitely, for sure. User Charlie PD Excellent from Reddit, they say, I love the never-ending sense of exploration and finding out what's around the next corner. I felt I felt very immersed in the journey, figuring out what the Ket were all about, just wishing things would have gone differently, and we would have gotten DLC for all those missing in, ac- missing in action ships, and etc. Yep. yep. That, that's literally all I can say to that one. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Users uh, CKEIT from Reddit. Just started a week ago. Love the game. Current impression watching Ryder develop from a kid into the person he slash she is supposed to be is an exciting progression and uniquely different than the OG. First notable 
moment of this was getting was getting EOS online and watching the whole Andromeda mission come alive. Feels like you're actually making a difference in the colonization effort, even though the Pathfinder is still figuring out what role they play. Great game and great story all around. See, I love seeing that this person just recently started the mm-hmm. game. Like seeing stuff like that is really cool. Seeing someone who's just you know, came to it four years in and is enjoying the experience, probably because of hype related to the Legendary Edition. And yeah, the whole aspect of like building these colonies, while felt taxing at times, because again, there's so much, so many moving parts and stuff, was a cool feeling. Every time you brought a colony online and kind of chose what their place was in the in the galaxy was cool. Yeah, pretty definitely, definitely interesting. And it's cool, like you said, to see people still getting into these games and experiencing for the first time um Mm -hmm. after it's all been patched and everything's good uh good to go and yeah it's it the whole missing ships dlc stuff is a great example of content that should have been in the base game because it is like so important and not held to a dlc like all that stuff i feel like was so important that either tease it maybe in a sequel or including the base game like don't make it be this dlc that's i it was turned into like a book or something right i don't think it was ever actually was it was did that book ever come out because they were like five books planned i think for andromeda and i think only three ever actually oh. came out there's a there's a prequel story for Korra. There's the prequel story of the entire Andromeda like initiative, which I never was able, I didn't enjoy that book. And then there's another one, which maybe that's maybe that is the one. I need to give those books another shot because I love the original mm-hmm. Mass Effect books. Yeah, minus the one that was decanonized. <laughs> Want to take the next one? Uh, yeah, yeah, sure. We can do the next one. Uh, Owen Chaser from Reddit. Liam's mission. It was a truly a hilarious experience. The banter was solid, then ignoring the villain was comedic gold, and it was all capped off with when they were almost spaced and the other squad member would have a clever quip to say during that scene. Also, Korra's romance was pretty good. I felt it was the most natural of the romance options in my own opinion. Uh, I know Korra gets a lot of you know, ragged on by a lot of people, but I, I enjoyed her storyline. I couldn't decide between Vetra and Korra for romance personally and at like the at pretty much the 11th hour I chose Vetra but still got to see like it, I, I don't know the actual romantic ending for Korra but like I got to see what felt like a friend romance ending almost mm-hmm. kind of experience with her and I, and I really liked her storyline and stuff of that I liked actually pretty much just about all the characters uh storylines and how all of that was really capped off and we already talked about like a few times the Liam mission is just a plus <laughs> Yeah. And finally, we have user CND Drow or CN Drow from Reddit. They say, You look like you're waiting for someone. Raze is my favorite part of Andromeda. Sneaking into a high security party just to steal ancient whiskey to share. They even threw in the quick, we gotta kiss ass so we're not noticed trope. Oh my god, it's glorious. He's glorious. <laughs> Raze is a great, great <laughs> Mass Effect character that I'm gonna be honest kind of forgot about in the four years since but the moment I saw the name Reyes I was like hold up a second and all the memories came flooding back mm-hmm. Yeah. so yeah great character and just about everything involving that cool. Yeah. 
But thank you to each and every one of you that sent in your favorite memory or moment for Mass Effect Andromeda. We very much appreciate and enjoy reading them. As always, down in the show notes, you'll find links to both of the subreddits where you can add your own favorite moments or memories from this game. Be sure to share them. I can't wait to read them. Now, after you've heard Josh and I talk about this game, you might be wondering where you can get it yourself to start on your own Mass Effect initiative. Well, we're here to help you with that. This is still pretty readily available on like Amazon and things like that. Prices will fluctuate depending on if it's new or used. You're looking at usually around $20 to $30 um, for new in-box or still sealed um, complete in box will net you about fourteen or fifteen dollars, like ten between ten and fifteen. It is available digitally. It's about twenty nine ninety nine, but it does go on sale a lot. Um, you can find it on Steam or the um, PlayStation Network or the Xbox Store as well. I don't know if this is. I don't think this is Game Pass. It might be Game Pass. I don't think so, but actually, I don't. I just don't know. I don't know either, but. Yes, still very, very easy to find the game, so shouldn't have any issues there, and it won't break the bank. Now, let's say you've gotten your own copy of Mass Effect Andromeda, and you're wondering and looking for some tips or tricks to start your own adventure. Well, Josh and I are here to help with you, help you with that as well. Josh, what tips or advice would you give brand new Pathfinders? So I actually have two here, and they are... So let's have two here. One, uh, my biggest recommendation for this game is, you know, the game offers the ability to upgrade weapons and stuff like that, and it's more advanced than anything from the original Mass Effect. Uh, you know, the original Mass Effect, you know, you threw ammo on and a couple of augments. Like, this is very in-depth com- by comparison. And because of that, you can really break your guns and not in a good way. Uh, I found the sniper rifle in this game that was absolutely amazing and it was it was really cool and i did some uh, upgrades because i thought this sounds like a really cool thing to do because there's stuff like like ricochet shots and all these things i don't remember what i chose but i chose something and then i swear to you the game got harder (laughs) after i made this gun despite the fact that on paper it looked like it was a good gun uh we're going to talk about it in 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 a later segment but there's these uh, things called architects which are like the some of the the big like raid kind of bosses in the game and I was like, wow, this boss is so hard. It took me nearly, it took me like two hours fighting this thing to beat. I'm like, this is, this is honestly a little bit too much. And it just, cause I was just taking pot shots and it was doing barely any damage. Wow. Am I really just under leveled and stuff? And that's when I discovered the gun issue. And I had to literally reload my game from like four hours earlier because I had re- I literally ruined a gun. Um, and I wanted that gun back and I thankfully had a save file. So I just jumped back to before I did that and fixed the gun. Did, didn't put this one augment on, changed it. And that boss that had taken me two, uh, two hours took like 20 minutes. Wow. Cause I was still under leveled mind mm-hmm. you for doing it. But like it, in like later versions took way less time, but it was like, Oh, I literally broke a gun and made it unusable. <laughs> and so save before you mess with with the with, with the weaponry in the game because you can actually make the game impossible, <laughs> and it's very dumb that that is that is a thing. I don't know if that was patched out or something, but like, that was an issue. 
Um, my other tip relates to sniping. Uh, and again, this might be a bug that was fixed in the game. Uh, there are cases in this game where if you are told to go to X point uh, to do something, make sure you go to X point physically close enough that it triggers the thing you're supposed to do. Because in my case, there's a Korra mission where I crested a dune, I think it was on Vold, the Ice World, if I remember right, and I sniped characters because I could see them. They were two, three hundred meters away, and I, I took them all out, got to there, and spent, God, I don't even know how long, walking around, like, where is this objective? And I eventually went and looked up online, and I was in the right place. I needed to do this thing. Again, reloaded my save, went over. I had to trigger a dialogue to actually progressed the mission before I had before I could kill the enemies. Wow. But again, I could I had a sniper rifle. Mm-hmm. Why would I not pick them off from a distance? Kind of thing. So yeah, like so the game again, these all these these two things I said could have been fixed in this amount of time, but I know playing a sniper heavy class, I I broke this game. That happened <laughs> that happened like several times. Like the amount of times I I would be like Ugh. You forgot to trigger the mission. Okay, go over and now pause them and now back up, you know, kind of thing. It's like, all right, why, why, why is that even a thing? <laughs> so be careful is really, I guess, my ultimate tip. There, Always good advice. Always good advice. And for my tip, when you can start colonizing planets and kind of setting up uh, worlds and kind of getting them back on track, one of the things you can do is establish frontline outposts. These require resources, and they can kind of be a pain to set up, but they are worth the investment. By doing so, it gets you all sorts of things, but also, most importantly, in my opinion, it allows the fast travel throughout the planet. And as Josh and I both mentioned, these places you can explore are massive, so the ability to fast travel between locations is paramount and incredibly beneficial. So check those out Mm -hmm. and do those as soon as you can. We are on to one of my favorite parts of each episode, the monster or enemy of the week. Josh, what enemy have you brought to the arena this week? So I tease this as well. I feel like every segment I'm teasing the next segment. It's such a tease. <laughs> something I want to talk such about. Such a tease. But, but yeah, um, the, the Vold Remnant Architects. The Architects, really, in general. There's four of them in the game. Uh, each of the major planets have one, and they are essentially these just massive guardians they're these giant snake worm things that uh yeah you do stuff you you they they fly through the air there's different segments to them and they're like yeah they're they're these massive uh bosses and stuff like that and um i recommend you know consider you know considering your weaponry before you take them on but they were really cool combat experiences in the game they they were the they allowed you to really play with the verticality, uh, particularly depending on what kind of class you're playing. It allowed me to play with the verticality of the game with the jump jets and stuff like that. And, you know, there's other enemies spawning in, and there's a lot of aspects to it. And it felt like a, a raid boss to an extent. And even on normal, playing an over fairly overpowered character by the time I took on the final three of them, like, it felt touch and go here and there. It was kind of reminiscent of Dragon Age Inquisition with the dragons, except those were like ten different kind of combat experiences. These are like, from what I remember, four pretty much identical 
slightly different experiences, but still, it felt like taking on a dragon in their keep. Yeah, and that was cool. Yeah, I mean, this this these were basically the dragon equivalent uh, in Mass Effect, like the dragon bosses in Inquisition. I felt. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it was cool. You know, you kind of like you know you prepared yourself, you set your points, you uh, adapted on the fly and stuff like that, and they're it. It was a it was a fun they they were fun combat experiences more than just taking on the rank and file cat and outcasts and and you know what have you. Yep. But yes, the architects are massive uh, excuse me. Are massive mechanical remnant constructs that inhabit the golden worlds. The specific one on Vold uh is found um it's writer uh, from the wiki. Writer's task was searching for a missing initiative science team during missing science crew by Terev Uni Outpost, Mayor Bria Blake. Pathfinder finds a team shuttle, which is destroyed, leaving all occupants dead. An architect is revealed to be the culprit, who then attacks Ryder at an abandoned cat base. Um, but yes, mm-hmm. the remnants don't really have any shields. They just have a crap ton of health. Um, their weak points are also their legs and their head. In terms of their offensive abilities, they have access to a rapid-fire energy cannon, a grenade shotgun, a red spherical field with swarming remnant shards that explode after a short delay, a projected cone or column of uh, that appears above the attack, um, and a sustained electrical dome field generated between its leg conduits when it's anchored in place. Um, and it also has a bunch of different uh, defensive options as well um which can be extremely dangerous so look out and good luck tackling these monstrous mechanical uh constructs the architects That is going to do it for another episode of RPGU. We uh, have brought Mace Effect to a conclusion. Thank you so much for joining us once again here at the University, Josh. It's always a pleasure. Oh, absolutely. It's my pleasure. I was, I'm ecstatic to, you know, get to talk about anything Mass Effect, as we know, and getting to talk about Andromeda, which I, again, is pretty much my favorite game in the series. And as I said, based on a one-time playthrough, but just do the experience of it. I really love mm-hmm. Andromeda and getting to talk about both the good and the bad made me really happy. So thank you for having me on. Of course, of course. It's always a pleasure to have you over here. But where can people find you online? What do you have cooking? Go ahead and plug your stuff because I know you got tons of it. I mean, the main thing is uh, Massively Affected. It is my show where essentially I ask the, you know, it's myself and a guest and I ask them the question, why Mass Effect? And yeah, it is really that simple question. The whole idea for the show was based off those, uh, whenever I would wear an N7 hoodie to a gaming convention, there would be some time, at least once during the shows, where I'd end up with an hour-long conversation with people about their experiences and their personal legacies with Mass Effect. And, you know, that plus a couple of other things led me to wanting to just have a dedicated podcast to it. So, uh, Massively Affected is a, season one is a 11 episode series featuring a bunch of different people. And it can be found on uh, But Why Though's website at butwhythopodcast.com. 
And you can find it on Twitter at Mass Affected Pod. And that's affected with an A because it's the effect it had on us. Um, also the affection of the game. And yeah, I talked to a bunch of different people about personal legacies. We, God, so so many damn topics. Um, and yeah, I actually just recorded a bonus episode of it. So <laughs> it might actually be a 12 episode season one. We'll see what works. And I'm planning season two. So for Mass Effect fans... Uh, I, I, you know, new and old, if you're new to this series as well, this is a good place to go though. To be clear, there are spoilers <laughs> in most every episode. There is an expectation that you are, that you are, even if you're new to the game that you have played it, but I love talking to people about all things mass effect because we all have our own, we all have our own stories and it's, it's great. Yes. So it's on, it's on every podcast, uh, locale. You can find it. Perfect. Yes. Definitely give it a check out. It's a great show. You always make wonderful, wonderful stuff, Josh. So, um, thank you so of course, much. Of course, but thank you also to each and every one of you who's listened today. Be sure to rate and review us on your preferred podcast service, as I'd really appreciate it. If you have an RPG you would like us to feature on an episode, tweet at IrrationalPod with the hashtag #RPGU with your suggestion, or you can share your own favorite RPGs directly with me on Twitter at SolidSnake120. As always, everybody, stay safe, stay healthy, be kind to one another. Class dismissed.